gets away. Martel still goes. Better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, welcome to Monday's uh, Monday's experts. It's a pretty dreary day here on the uh, on the north coast. Not sure how it is up uh, up your way in Brisbane, Jared. Uh, it's you and I again. Our panel members are uh, clocking up the hours, uh, coaching. Um, Woody's everywhere. Barnsley's all over the place. Uh, we're in a busy period for these guys. Uh, Woody's got a lot of junior comps coming up uh, with all his uh, all his proteges and uh, and Barnsley's. Starting to get pretty busy uh, with the Knights and the Wallabies, so um, so we'll hold the fort uh, as we discussed on Friday. Firstly, Jared, how are you? Sorry, very well, very well, Steve. Uh, beautiful one day, perfect connect in Brisbane. Is it? Is it sunny up there? Oh uh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, nice day. That's uh, they're still celebrating. Stuff. Always a nice, always a nice day in Brisbane. Yeah, please. Um, well, we'll get into uh, we'll get into the NRL and the review of the weekend. There's some really good quality games and some very very close games. But uh, let's just touch on uh, what we touched on on Friday, and we said we get into it right from the outset today, which is uh, a deep dive into the Dragon situation, what's evolved, uh, where to next, <coughs> coaching candidates, their roster, a um, bit of an update. Um, you're uh, you, you've been on top of it all the way, Jared, and you definitely haven't been wrong. Um, what evolved last week, firstly? Well, Rolls was a all but a done deal. He had verbally agreed to, and I believe all but shook hands to um, taking on the role of the Dragons. They'd agreed the terms of a four-year deal. Uh, now, a major sticking point, which had been agreed to, was that he would have a, um, the final say on key roles in the makeover of their football department. Uh, and that included the appointment of a new general manager, and then as in uh, football, part of football manager, football general manager. Yep. yep. And then part of all of that was that he was to attend a meeting at the club with the CEO on Monday of last week, and they start action on how they move forward. He turned up to the meeting on the Monday and walked into the meeting, and with the CEO was the existing general manager. And he sat there completely gobsmacked that so that's, what had uh, been that's, discussed and agreed. That's Ben Harron, the the current football manager? Correct. Yep. And so he was just gobsmacked that he thought that they'd made ground, they'd made agreement about how they moved forward. And uh, part of those discussions should have been between he and the CEO about where they go and what they do as next steps and um, a guy that he didn't want as his general manager moving forward was sitting there in a the room. So he walked away from that meeting completely disillusioned, uh, made contact with his manager and a few other people, and then um, by the next morning um, advised the club, well, the next on Wednesday morning I think it was, that he'd pull the pin and in the background sat the storm. Uh, Matt Tripp kept uh, tapping him on the shoulder and he ended up... Um, saying to Storm, okay, how do we move forward from here? So he now ends up at Storm next year 
and the Dragons are back to square one. And lo and behold, would you believe on the Wednesday morning, the Dragons had a media opportunity where they announced you know, what was very positive news, uh, the uh, contribution to a major charity, during the course of which they also told a few people attending that event of how Rolls was on board and things were being signed off by the board last week and they were moving forward and then within an hour, Rolls as management had advised the club and made an announcement that he'd pulled the pin. Okay, so uh, that obviously hasn't really evolved in a uh, in a professional manner. You wouldn't think. Um, on, you know, you, you only have to listen to the radio and, and have a bit of a read. But Ryan Webb, the CEO, and uh, you know the hier- hierarchy there are definitely under the pump. Um, where do you where do, where do we see from here? Who who are the legit ca- candidates? Um, my mail is that they've really zeroed uh, in on Shane Flanagan. I think we discuss this some weeks ago uh, when there was all the conjecture around um, Anthony Griffin. I think he's not my flavour of the month, but I actually think he's the right person for the job right now. Just before we go to that, can we just touch on too, Steve? If we go back, what, four years ago, uh, maybe three years ago, uh, um, Phil Gould was asked to come in as a consultant by the board at the time and do a complete uh, overview and recommendation about how they move forward. Now, clearly, and you know, Gus has touched on this himself um, privately, you know, half of those recommendations were ignored. And now, three years later, they're in an absolute mess sitting at the bottom of the table. And one of the major things that they have acknowledged through their CEO over recent weeks publicly is that they need to do a major overhaul of their um, football management structure approach and God knows what. And part of that was, which was also clearly discussed in the media three, four weeks ago, was a meeting with Riles where they discussed how they should set up a, a, a structure to move forward. And that also included uh, interviews and discussions with Nathan Brown and Richardson. And now they're in this mess where um, who knows who's going to be the GM of football? Um, who, who knows who's going to be there? Uh, head of pathways, all of those sorts of things, let alone who they appoint as coach. Coming to the candidates, uh, it would appear that Thursday, Friday last week, momentum grew around um, key members of the board warning Flanagan. Um, there's clearly, and the media touched on this over the weekend, and I mentioned this four or five weeks ago, Doust has been against Flanagan's appointment for uh, all of this discussion over the last couple of months. He's been pushing either Hornby or Dean Young. Uh, The Illawarra side have been pushing for Riles. They were probably in agreement about Hornby, but then backed down on that and now agitating for Flanagan. I agree with you. I think the right man to move this forward needs to be somebody senior, experienced, knows how the butt heads, knows what needs to get done. And He's certainly not my cup of tea, but he can coach. He has got success, and I agree that Flanagan would be the right person. Okay, well, um, they better get cracking. I I would think that they've they've probably got to the end of this week, as in uh, it's going to get – I think it'll get pretty narky, you know, after the end of this week as far as retention. Um, We know that they've sort of had conversations with quite a few players, but they've sort of – you just got players just sitting there on the sideline (coughs) – you know, not committing, uh, understandably, because they don't know who the coach is. 
I would imagine Ben, well, ben yeah, Hunt's getting very frustrated. Um, he was told that Ross was to the coach. Just to add to that too, Steve, I mean, you know, one of, one of the key sticking points for Riles in the last couple of weeks, which he uh, finger-pointed at, was that, you know, they completely stuffed up the signing of a very credible young player out, out of another club that they'd identified. Mm. They uh, spent weeks talking to, and then at the last thought they had him, and at the last moment completely stuffed it up. Uh, and I believe that there was also a couple of other players um where something similar has unfolded. So, you know, the whole thing is just a complete mess. I think if we look at what's happened on the park over the last three weeks, at least under Ryan Carr, they are having a crack. There's been a notable improvement in terms of enthusiasm and attitude. And they've won one game and been deep into the game against the Dolphins and then the Panthers last night. So clearly the change of moving on, Hawk was... Yeah, uh, 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 it again highlights what a disaster those last three years have been. Yeah, look, I, I think it also just shows in the last three weeks just some common sense. Uh, we're not talking about a you know a game that needs to or a game plan that needs to be re- reinvented here. You just have a look at last night. He's got Z- uh, Zach Lomax back on the same side as uh, the Flying Fijian, um, which has been a very good combination the last couple of years. They scored two tries down that side previously. You know, Griffin had persevered with, you know, Lomax on the other opposite side to to the Fijian, um, you know, uh, Little at, at Hooker. Anyway, so we could get, we could really dig into that if we wanted to. But it does appear that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an underperforming, um, you know, roster really. I mean, they should not be running last. Uh, so, Dragons, pull your finger out. Let's have a uh, an announcement by the end of the week on a coach. I think it's Flanagan. Uh, well, sorry, I think the correct decision is an experienced coach and it should be Shane Flanagan for at least the next couple of years. And, um, you know, and then they can, I, I don't know if that'll be rock bottom for the Dragons. That might be if Ben Hunt moves on. Hopefully he doesn't. Uh, but they're skimming along the along the bottom and hopefully uh, they can, uh, the Dragons can um, come marching again. Uh, let's get into the weekend, Jared. Some cracking games uh, for a bye weekend. Uh, well, firstly... <clears throat> Which game do you want to start on? Because there's so many good Well, ones. I guess if we, if we, yeah, well, I mean, if we quickly uh, skim through the, uh, a couple of games, I mean, uh, Tigers a little bit stiff. I mean, they were down 18 0. Big question mark for mine about the third try that Arada scored and the push in the back of Brooks that was never put, picked up or acknowledged by the bunker. Uh, but the Tigers absolutely blew that. They got in front, mm. uh, then fell behind by one point, and then their last set of six, the game management of that set of six to set up a field goal was just atrocious. They should have gone to uh, Golden Point. Raiders, again, uh, as a favourite, don't cover the line, but get away with a win, and it pumps them further up the table. Warriors get the job done. I thought that Warriors for, looked uh, very positive off the back of a very poor performance the week prior. Uh, Dolphins with some key outs, they're struggling at the moment. They need to get two or three of those blokes back. What about the game at Rabuna? I mean, the Titans lead 22-18 going into halftime. Yet again. Absolutely get smashed in the second half. Uh, There's some massive issues there in terms of attitude, defence, and you'd have to question fitness as well if they just keep falling away in the second half as they do at the moment. The Rabbits pick up a couple of key injuries, though. Cameron Murray and Jai Arrow, we'll touch on that in a moment, but that has uh, impact into Origin, but also an impact into the Rabbits in the coming weeks. They need these players um, and some depth and fitness um, to maintain their table position. 
Sharks were disappointing at home. I did like what the Broncos did. I think the key thing about the Broncos last two weeks was they took uh, a young, understrength team to New Zealand last week and picked up a surprise win over the Warriors. And then back-to-back away, go to Sydney, play the Sharks at Shark Park, where they do have a very good record over them. But it was a game where they got down and dirty and they just um, they ground out a tough result with a 20-12 to 12 win. Um, and I certainly think that it probably starts to stamp that they are somewhere in the top four a contender. They still need to beat those teams at the top of the table, which they've struggled against, like the Rabbits and the Panthers and the Storm. But a very good, credible win for them. Um, gee, I thought the Bulldogs uh, probably spoilt that game yesterday. They were there to be winners. Um, they just didn't manage that last 10 or 15 minutes right. You know, the Roosters get back with another win, breaking that running loss streak of three. Um, I like some parts of their defence and I like some parts of their game that were better, but still leaking 24 points and just squeaking home. Not a great result. What about the Storm? My goodness. You know, uh, that's the biggest yeah, in 20 biggest conceit of points of t- in 20 years under Bellamy. Yeah. That would have been a long flight home today. I mean, imagine sitting anywhere near Bellamy on the plane today. He would be a bear with a sore head. His press conference last night was about three minutes, uh, very pointed. He had he was absolutely filthy. Um, key point about the Cowboys, um, their best football's at home, but they are getting key players back. Neem and Nanai played yesterday. They get Tomolomo back next game. I think they have a bye. Then they have Penrith at home, which would be very winnable winnable because it'll be origin outs. Uh, They might just be starting to find a little bit of form. It's taken some time. And then Dragons last night rolled by Panthers out at Penrith Park. Eight-point victory, but the key take out of that clearly is the hamstring injury to Nathan Cleary. Yeah, if I do a quick run through, Jarrett, first thing I'd like to touch on is uh, the referees in the middle just aren't refereeing the game now with the bunker influence. Um, Correct. You know, that decision late in the Tigers game on Papalihi, like, you know, it probably is a penalty if you're going to go to the letter of the law. But, I mean, what do we do if we're going to try and decide games via uh, field goal or going to golden point? And you can't even you can't even dive at the player. Like, if you touch his boot... Or touch, you know, a couple of blades of grass around him. It's a penalty straight away. Like, well, yeah. I, I think it was the right decision. Um, it is frustrating. I, I think some of the inconsistency at the moment is it's just terrible. Been, I mean, have a look at that, have a look at that decision last night in the Dragons game. The knockback. Uh, the referee's yep. about to, you know, let it go, and then all of a sudden he's obviously got the touchy in his yep. ear. I mean, that was a. You know, obviously, Kondo is a Dragons fan, um, but that was a 12-point turnaround. Well, I was about to say, it was a 12-point turnaround. Yeah. and um, Panthers get the ball, they, they score the net, next set of six. Like, these decisions by the bunker, they're, they're having, like, big ramifications at crucial times, and as a lot of the media that watch every minute uh, of the NRL every weekend, as we do usually, uh, is that they are consistently getting their calls from the bunker incorrect. Yeah, the, the bunker interference. I mean, Phil Gould's been saying this for 15 years. You know, giving more and more influence to the bunker was going to have massive ramifications for the game. And 
I don't like you know, it. The, I just don't like I, it. I, I, I think can't a, stand it. I think and it's a real blight on the game. You're sitting there just going, oh, what's the bunker going to do? Like, let the ref referee the game at normal speed, make normal decisions. He's not going to get everyone right. But the, the bunker's not getting them right. If we're going to the bunker and they're getting them right, 99 out of 100, you sort of go, okay, we'll run with it. But that is not the case. Well, I'll tell a quick story. Uh, um, you know, every week the NRL provide a spider cam copy of the game video to each club, right? So that's not the TV camera. It's a spider cam uh, view of the whole game, and it has no um, audio, right? They take all the audio out. About two years ago, one club received their copy on the Monday, With the and they left the bunker audio on. Oh, my God. And, okay. and, you know, a couple of the key people at that club who I knew well at the time said to me it was just gobsmacking the influence and the pecking in the ear by the bunker official about this and that and it's tackle four and, oh, that, yeah. no, they're offside on the left. And yeah. how the hell you could stand in the middle and referee the game with that noise oh. influence... As if it's not hard enough to keep up with the speed, let alone having someone from the bunker. Oh, you know, the left winger's just picked his nose, put him in the bin. Oh, the right winger's just scratched his left ball. Like, you know, is that a penalty? Like, fucking hell. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, I think the other thing for me, um, obviously getting through origin is a big thing for the Broncos. And, you know, Kevin Walters is doing a really good job there with, uh, you know, that backup. Uh, you know, it's never easy to win at Shark Park. Um, Nico Hines was in really good form, so we'll get on to Origin in a sec. Uh, Cody Walker was outstanding um, for for the Rabbitohs on Saturday night. Into I'm probably a little bit more up, upbeat on the Roosters' performance over the Bulldogs than, than you. I think there's some really good signs there. I know they still leak 24 yeah. points, but I think they, you know, they had a camp up on the Central Coast. I think they're a way better side when Brandon Smith's not at hooker. Um, and I think they look pretty good, actually. I think there's some some real improvement there. I tend to think that the Roosters, uh, unless they, you know, run into four or five key injuries, I think they might get a bit of a roll on, as with the Cowboys. The Cowboys in the last couple of weeks have been, after that flogging, you know, they didn't get they didn't get it done uh, last week, but really good performance against, I mean, admittedly it was against a poor Storm side, but still... Some really key uh, key uh, inclusions there that have, that have been on the sideline, especially Nanai. I, I mean, he he makes a huge difference to that side. Um, and then we move into uh, into Origin and the and the you know the potential of uh, a bit of a change up, which is going to be brought about by obviously a disappointing end to Origin one, but also um, you know injuries to key players over the weekend. Then everyone gets talking about uh, combinations, obviously, with Cleary. There's, you would think that, you know, a hamstring, I mean, as we know, it's an average, of, you know, a minor tear is an average of a 17, 18-day turnaround. So you'd think that Cleary has no chance um, for, you know, for Origin 2. I mean, what do you think, Jared? How would you go? Well, firstly, I said last Friday morning, I hope a few people followed, I was very keen about Queensland at Suncorp at minus two and a half. Well... This morning it's now four and a half, and I think it will keep blowing out further as some of these injuries may become more apparent. Now, we've still got another weekend to get through with all players playing next weekend before final teams are named. And so further injuries could impact either team. 
Um, Queensland, right at the moment, the major question mark looks to be Arrow uh, and whether he has uh, a syndemosis injury of his ankle and can get through over the next 10 days, and that would be very questionable. Significant question mark over Cameron Murray, and that would be a major out for mine. And then Cleary, and that's clearly a very significant one. The, the two guys who uh, come into contention, I, I would suggest, is Nico Hines and Cody Walker apparently was very close to being selected for game one at six. And they also like the fact that he has a very strong combination with Luttrell on that left edge. Um, so, you know, if Nico Hines ends up at seven and plays on the right, Cody Walker would come in, you'd have to suggest a major conversation of him being selected, coming in on the left, and then Latrell playing uh, left centre. Uh, I suggested last week I'd go with Crichton on the right. Whether they retain Turbo will be questionable. Um, I think you know it's common knowledge now the Eagles are trying to put a case forward that mm. he can play this weekend. Um if he can or can't, it's then a matter of whether they're prepared to select him. Um, and then what they do, uh, if they retain Fox on the wing, he was much better yesterday, so he probably gets retained. So I think they're the key, uh, the key discussion points around their um, their backs. And then what they do in the in the forwards, you know, do they retain Pangai Junior? I I suggest not. Um, who do they start with? Um, what replacements come in? The conversation in the front row. I'd suggest that uh, Totola has to be very close. Uh, and what they do in the back row? You'd think um, you'd think uh, Jake Travojevic would be a chance if he gets through this weekend. Well, I, I think he's still in major doubt. Is he not? Uh, okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure where he's at with his injury at the moment. So. Well, a lot's, lot's going to hinge on uh, this weekend and players getting through. Uh, for me, I'm with you. I, I would just go, I think it's a no-brainer. I, th- I thought in a losing side, again, Nico Hines was very dominant with the ball. I love how he just uh, he really chews into the line. He's happy to attack down short sides. He's, he, he can play both sides of the park. I think a combination with uh, himself, Cody and Latrell would be pretty dynamic, to be honest. I, I wouldn't even consider the Panther number six. I think he's... I think he's done. I, I would be giving Cody Walker the nod. Uh, I would imagine that uh, with that combination, they'd probably put Adam Reynolds in the mix, potentially, for discussion. I don't think uh, Fittler will, no. Um, I think he's by Well, he's bypassed him now for, what, three years. So um, I don't know that he's going to go back to that well. Yeah, good point, uh, good point. You know, so... Uh, and just looking at uh, an update on injuries, uh, Jake Toboyevich looks like he's out till at least round 19. So okay, I would so suggest he's not, he's not in the conversation. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, uh, if we flip back to the uh, back to the NRL, uh, give us your uh, dig deep into the matrix on your uh, on the table review. Um, I've actually had quite a few messages on the buys. Um, can you just uh, firstly before we do the table review, can you just talk us through how these buys work? It's pretty confusing. Uh, listen, the, the, the whole draw is farcical. Um, you know, they put all these different combinations through a computer in Canada and come up. And, you know, they put ground availability and um, preferences from some teams about key game matchups 
um, with traditional rivals and all those sorts of things, and then they spit out all these options and and then factor into that that each team has three buys and there is, is zero uh, evenness. I know we're not ever going to get a perfect draw, but yeah, right at the moment we've, we've got some teams that have had two buys and some teams that have had zero. And then in the back half of the season they're they're going to end up picking two picking up two or three buys. You know the Broncos are clearly one of those. Rabbit Rabbitohs are another. Um, in some ways, I think that that might be a blessing for those two teams because they're going to have a number of weeks where they can rest players um, post Origin and hopefully get a little bit uh, of rest and fitness and R and R into them as they balance up towards the semi-finals. But yeah, listen, it's uh, it's an absolute shit fight at the moment trying to work out who's who. And, you know, I put a drawer, a, a table up every Monday, which takes all the buyers out and I think offers in reality where teams are actually at at the moment in terms of wins uh, and table position. Uh, and makes some interesting reading. I mean, the Raiders at the moment sit fourth. They've, you know, we started the season, they have a very soft draw. They're getting the benefit of that at the moment. Whether when they come out of origin and toward the end of the year can balance up and actually beat teams that matter when it matters into September, big key question mark. The Sharks sit fifth, yet the Sharks have not recorded a win over a top eight team yet. Yeah, yep. So, you know, you've got to peel back some of this form at the moment. I mean, the Storm at the moment sits sixth. For the first time in, I think, History that I can remember for the storm, they have a negative differential. Uh, you know, that oh, I don't reckon, yesterday. I'll have a look at that today, but I don't reckon that would have happened under Bellamy in twenty-one years. No, no, it's staggering. So, how do you actually? So, see, so, so, if you do the review on the table, what do you? Okay, so it's quite interesting when you dig into, uh, really dig into it. I mean, the points. You know, points scored, the Sharks and Rabbitohs are still right up there. It's interesting that the Eels are up there as well. I, I would think that, oh, I don't know, I hate to say it, but their season might be derailed uh, uh, with the news of uh, Dylan Walker on whether or not he'll be stood down with um, his uh, his behaviour on the weekend. Uh, that might make it hard for the Eels. Uh, yeah. What... It's not, I, I think if we look at the table, I think the top three start to clear out. That's the Broncos, the Rabbits and the Panthers. Yeah, I think that's okay. the pointy end. Um, and they've and got I plenty that, of buys still left up up their sleeve, haven't they? Yeah. 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 And then, then I think we've just got uh, – we end up with a bit of uh, a gap behind them. Now, clearly, you know, the influence of key injury outs um, toward the back end of the season uh, will have some influence here. But if Nathan Cleary ends up out for a few weeks, rests up and comes back, you know, the Panthers – yeah, you know, they're only leaking still twelve points a week. Mm. They're certainly in contention. Yeah, you know, if the Rabbitohs get their best fit seventeen on the park, we've already seen them um, knock off the Panthers, knock off the Storm, knock off the Bron- uh, the Broncos. Uh, I still think that longer term they're the team to beat. I think the Broncos just keep chipping away and um, are getting better in a lot of different key parts of their game, in particular their defence. I think they're the top three. Then I think it falls away. You know, there's a big question mark about the Raiders and the Sharks and the depth of the form that they come through and draw. You know, the Storm in Melbourne are very good, but they've put in a couple of shockers when they've been away, notably yesterday. I think the question mark then ends up being who fills seventh and eighth spot. 
Do it's it's going to be Roosters, mate. yeah, it's going to be a cracking end of the season, isn't it? Like when you have a look yeah, at the, you have a look at the game, like you know, I mean, first first last year, last night, you know, Panthers Dragons, very competitive game right down to the bell. Uh, Roosters versus the Bulldogs, super competitive game, one point in it. Like those last, you know, like uh, position seven, position eight, it's going to be, it's going to come down to the last round. It's probably going to come down to the last minute, I think, towards the end of the year. Well, and if we go from the Warriors down, you know, the Warriors and the Dolphins have got seven wins. Roosters, Eels, Cowboys have got six wins. Knights, Seagulls, five and a half wins. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams, I think, fighting out for those bottom two spots. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and the, the closeness of the competition, you really, need, you, you really only need to string three, maybe four, and if you string five or six wins in a row, you're right in the mix. Well, and the inconsistency and closeness of the competition is borne out in the fact that there's only four teams with a positive differential. Well, I was just looking at uh, you've got the Raiders who've got a really favourable draw for the whole season, let alone into the back end, and they've got a negative differential and they're currently running fourth. I mean, the, yep. and, and the upside there is we get to listen to Ricky Stewart's press conferences every week. How good was he on the uh, weekend? Oh dear. I don't think I. I, don't, I mean, he, he he must be a very different person around the playing group because his press conferences. I don't think you ever hear him in a press conference where he's got anything positive to say. Well, a week prior, when the Seagulls put forty through them down in Canberra, he had about a two and a half minute press conference and couldn't have got out of there quick enough. A week later, he was just itching to want to have a crack at everybody. And the crazy thing is he just doesn't need to worry about the outside noise. Oh, who just, cares? Yeah, who, who, cares exactly what, who, who cares what Cooper Cronk and a few other people think about whether or not Jared Croker was picked or stood down or rested or whatever and he's going to go down to Canberra and play his 300th game. Like, fantastic decision, Ricky. No dramas. But you don't have to sit there for five minutes calling every man and his dog a Muppet. Well, and what that does to it, in my opinion, is just it lifts the bar in terms of pressure and focus on their game on Friday night at 6 o'clock at home against the Warriors. We've already touched on how, how often and how poor their record is as a favourite, let alone a home favourite. They come up against a team off a, uh, a very good game on the weekend who've got key players back, which is making a difference, and notably uh, defending very well. You know, they're in the the top four for points conceded, their defence, that game is going to be much closer than it looks. And the Warriors are a huge chance of winning on a night where Ricky wants to make it all about him and the Raiders and being at home. And I feel sorry for Croker because he's a wonderful guy, wonderful player, great servant to the club. And all of this other sundry focus just doesn't need to be around him playing his 300th game. And uh, if we just uh, finalise uh, this morning's chat, uh, we'll get into it on Thursday, but this week we've got five teams back-to-back away return home. Broncos, Roosters, Storm, Eagles, Dolphins. What are we expecting there, do you think? Well, I've mentioned that before, haven't I? And uh, all of a sudden we've got a week where we've got five teams and um, I think a few of them can cause, uh, 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 well, I think a little bit of curry against what the market position might be. 
you know, I think the Roosters at home are going to give the Panthers um, a real crack this week off the back of, as you suggest, some improved performance yesterday and the Panthers without Nathan Cleary and their record at Alliance is very, very good. Um, you know, but we also have the Storm. They've been on the road. They get back home. The Broncos have been on the road. They get back home. The Eagles have been on the road, get back to Bookvale where their best football is. And to finish the round, we're going to end up with um, the Dragons back at Cogra against the Rabbits. The other key watch for those, and we'll mention it on Thursday morning into the tipping comp and selections for the weekend, is uh, yes, all these teams are going to be full of all of their key players this weekend, but so many of them, and so often we've seen in the past, have their head elsewhere worried about origin selection on Sunday night and Monday morning yeah, and what influence that might have on guys' best performance on the weekend. Um, and we'll finish with the tipping comp. We've got a new leader, Jared. Um, Sammy Powell, Powley, uh, is on 78 points. He has taken the lead. Uh, Vaughan Blakey was hanging on, hanging on. He's he's pulled back two points behind uh, Powley. Kiwi Doc, so we've got Powley at 78, Kiwi Doc 77, uh, Vaughan Blakey at 76 with Juzzy and uh, Mortal. Where'd he come from? And uh, Alex Worko, and then at uh, then we've got a, one on 75, couple on 74, and then it falls away a little bit. Uh, so it is really tightening up. I reckon, I actually reckon that tipping comp's going to come down to the last uh, the last round. And I think, I mean, if you just have a look below down in 18th, sorry, 16th, 18th. And 19th spot, we have uh, we have three participants that still have their joker. So they're on 72, and the leader is on 78, and they got their joker up their sleeve. I tell you what might be worth doing today, Steve, is taking a screenshot of that table today, mm. and then in five or six weeks' time we have another look, and then we have another look. You know, maybe with two weeks to go. Very interesting to see those at the top of the table that hang on and those further down the table that make a rapid climb. Yeah, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll post that. I'll post that uh, when we put the uh, we put Monday's experts up today. I, I like that, Jared. Yep, I think it'll be very interesting. A um, couple of things to note this week. Uh, firstly, uh, Nick Meaney, 100th game this weekend uh, down in uh, Melbourne, home game. Um, Northern Rivers product, uh, great kid playing exceptionally good football. Gee, had a good season at the Melbourne Storm. So all the best this week, Nick. Uh, I know you'll put in and uh, loved. Uh, I love that try, the chip over the top yesterday, Jared. That was exceptional. Great to watch. Yeah, he scored um, a nice try yesterday, didn't he? Very skillful player. Uh, and he's found his right club, which is good after starting at the Knights, onto the Bulldogs, and he's now down there under uh, Craig Bellamy and Frank Panisi. And I think the second shout-out this week... Uh, Jared, we will, uh, the ball and all will be out on Friday, uh, probably the best day that you can have on the golf course. We will be attending Mick Fanning's golf day on the Gold Coast on Friday. Uh, Mick, um, unbelievable effort still. He is still raising money for uh, displacement of uh, people from um, last year's floods in the Northern Rivers. Uh, last year, I think that day raised the best part of half a million dollars. Um, so we've got, uh, we've got two teams. We've got an invite there, so that'll be... Uh, well, uh, well participated by the Ball and All crew and a few uh, a few people that are huge supporters of the uh, of the podcast. So we'll get up there with Mick and have a great day uh, a great day at uh, Cooley Tweed and uh, hopefully um, Mick raises uh, raises you know some significant money that can really help again with uh, a lot of people still displaced. Um, if you if you have any interest, get online um, and have a look at the uh, the online auctions that Mick's organised. Uh, I mean. 
there's some amazing prizes. You, you name it, you can pretty much do it in sport. He's got all sorts of different prizes um, with an online auction uh, running all this week. I think it culminates on Friday afternoon. And we'll catch you uh, bright and early on Thursday, Jared, for the review. We won't be doing it on Friday because we will be on the links. Yes, well, we've got a game Thursday night to start the week with the uh, Titans at home against the Tigers, but some really interesting matchups this weekend and clearly plenty of people playing for origin spots. And let's hope by the time we have a chat on Thursday, Thursday morning, the Dragons have a coach. Giddy up. Don't smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>